Uh, we're starting uh, week two today of uh, a new series uh, we're doing called Antihero, and we are going through, uh, those of you that have been around Northwest for a little while know that we've been kind of doing chunk by chunk, January to Easter, uh, we've been kind of slowly working our way uh, through uh, the book of Genesis. <clears throat> and uh, I want to take a, a week or two uh, into the series to kind of catch everybody up to speed uh, right at the beginning here before we get into the message about kind of what God is doing. Because it's been a couple years since we were in the first section uh, of Genesis. And in that section, we see God creating the heavens and the earth. And eventually, sin enters this perfect garden that God had designed. And from that moment on, God is kind of executing uh, this plan uh, to deal with sin and to save the world. Uh, and last year at about this time, we were introduced to Abraham, uh, who God uh, finds and calls to leave his country and his people. And he says, man, through your line and uh, through you, a nation will be formed. And eventually uh, through that nation, the entire world will be blessed. And that blessing is ultimately found in Jesus. And Abraham has a son, Isaac. And then Isaac has these two sons, Jacob and Esau, and uh, Esau was born uh, first, and then uh, Jacob kind of came out grabbing his heel, uh, which uh, earned him the name Grabber, all right? That's kind of what his family called him, and last week we saw why, and this week we're going to see it go even a little bit further. Uh, and Jacob, you are going to find, the reason this series is called Antihero is you're going to find that you don't love this guy like a ton, all right? Uh, and there's a temptation sometimes in Christianity to say, no, I, Jacob's like a main character of the Bible. I've got to like Jacob and I've got to find a way. And I've read some commentaries this week that bend over backwards to try to make Jacob likable. And we're just not going to do that because he's not. And actually the point of the story is that he's not. The point of the story Romans says is before Jacob did anything good or bad, God had chosen him. So Jacob is not chosen because he's a delight. He's not a delight, all right? Um, Jacob is chosen because of God's sovereign grace. And in Jesus, what is available to Jacob is available to all of us. Uh, that you are not loved because of what you bring. You are loved because of what Jesus brought and how he paid for your sins and you're welcomed into the family because of him. So I always, we're gonna look at an individual story today, but I always wanna kind of take the high kind of uh, uh, plain view of the text that this is what's happening. God is kind of nation building right now to bring blessing to the entire world. All right, let's pray and then we'll get into it. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace uh, that, that is available to each and every one of us. And we, we really are, we're grateful. Uh, may we receive it. May we be changed by it. And may we be blessed by it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I think uh, we bang on culture quite a bit, all right, as, as Christians, and honestly, a lot of it is rightfully so, but I think one of the great awakenings of our current culture the last five years or so has been that who you are as a person matters about as much as what you accomplish as a person. And for years and years, there was this kind of truth that was stated into our culture that wasn't true at all, and it was really the ends justifies the means, and our culture has moved away from that. And primarily, I think this is a really good, good thing with a couple of caveats that we'll get to later. But who you are becoming matters as much as what you accomplish. Our culture believes this. So a pastor grows one of the largest churches in the Pacific Northwest. But over time, it's discovered that while his church is gigantic, he has cultivated an abusive and hostile work environment. It matters, right? That matters, because who you are matters 
as much as what you've accomplished. A stand-up comedian is extremely successful. He's published many books and uh, booked out comedy shows for years, but evidence begins to emerge that he has been completely predatory toward women for almost his entire adult life. It matters. It matters deeply because who you are matters as much as what you've accomplished. A politician has a long career. He passes all kinds of great legislation that helps tons of people. But soon stories emerge that he has broken all kinds of finance laws when it comes to Congress. It matters. The ends doesn't justify the means, right? It matters. Who you are as a person matters. And like I said, I think in general, this is a good thing. Jesus will highlight in his Sermon on the Mount that who you are matters greatly to to God and it matters greatly to your life. So Jesus will say in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, guard against anger festering inside of you that no one can see, but you know it's there. Guard against lust, guard against greed, guard against all this kind of stuff because who you are eventually shapes the decisions that you make. So be on guard about who you are becoming. A lot of times we tend to focus on what we wanna achieve or as a Christian, what God wants to achieve through us. And achievement is a fine and good thing, but we want to remember that who we are becoming matters. Now, that being said, I said this is primarily a good thing. All right? And what I mean by that, with a couple of caveats, is that our culture, our culture's solution to this kind of idea or this problem is cancer culture. That if we don't like who you're becoming or we think that you're wrong or bad or inappropriate, we just would soon you go away. Canceled. The end. It's over. And what we read in the New Testament about grace is that grace invades these areas of our shortcomings. Aren't you glad it does? I am. Grace invades these areas of our life and begins to change us and make us new. The other way I would say that our culture has kind of gone sideways on this is that we have primarily become the police for who everyone else is becoming. And we often fail to ask of ourselves, just say, man, this person's becoming something not good or they've engaged in this sinful behavior or whatever. And we become the police for everyone else, but we fail to look at ourselves in the mirror. And it's a reminder that every so often it is good to ask the question. A lot of times we ask this at the beginning of the year, am I the person I want to be? Am I becoming the person that I want to be? Am I becoming the person Jesus wants me to be? We ask all the time, what is it I want to accomplish? And that's fine and that's good. But every once in a while, it's good to ask the question, in the areas that nobody can see but me, am I becoming the person Jesus wants me to be? I set all this up to say, I wish Jacob could have asked that question. Am I becoming the person God and my family wants me to be? Because I think if he had asked this question a little bit before the story we're going to study today, he could have reined in some of his behavior. And we know that God told Rebecca, we, we saw this, uh, Jacob's mother, that he was going to not work through Esau, the oldest, to achieve his promise. He was going to work through Jacob. This is what God was going to accomplish. God told Rebecca, what God is going to accomplish through Jacob will be great. But who he was becoming in that process ultimately hurt a ton of people in his life. And ultimately, it is what God is going to try to address over the next several chapters. He's like, man, the promise to you is secure, but I want to work on who you're becoming, Jacob. And this is what God begins to do. Now, the text I'm going to read to you, it's long, 
but it reads like a story and it's a really good story. So while I could have told it to you, I wanted you to hear it straight from the scripture itself. It's in Genesis 25 and uh, we'll read it together. It said, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, my son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, go get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat that I may give you my blessing before I die. And this was tremendously important, right? Because the, blood, the oldest son typically, they became the kind of head of the family. They managed the family's business and the financials and all of that stuff. So I want to give you my blessing before I die. All right, verse five. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. Remember, Esau was Isaac's favorite and Jacob was Rebekah's. When Esau left for the open country to hunt uh, game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, oh, this family's so dysfunctional. Look at this. Look, I overheard your father saying to your brother Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare some tasty food for me to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way that he likes it. And then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. But if my father touches me, I would appear to be tricking him. Appear to be tricking him. No, you're tricking him. Does this appear to be tricking, right? And would bring it down a curse on myself rather than blessing. It could be a real bad deal for us to get caught, mom. And his mom said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do as I say. Uh, the mantra of so many mothers over the years. <laughs> Go south so often. Just do as I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way the father liked it. Then Rebekah took uh, the, the best clothes of Esau, her oldest son, and uh, notice how often that refrain is said, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. And then she, uh, then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. And he went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game uh, so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? Listen to this. The Lord, your God, gave me success. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. The Lord, my God, the Lord, your God, gave me success. Using the Lord to justify what he's done. And then Isaac said to Jacob, come near me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. The hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother's Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I might give you my blessing. And Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father uh, Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And when Isaac uh, caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him. 
After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. Bum, 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 right? He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. And then he said to him, my father, please sit up, eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted and uh, hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and blessed him. And indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out in a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Oh, pay attention to who you're becoming, Jacob. Let's look at some of the things that happen in this story. And I so honestly, my heart goes out to him because I so wished he could have been paying attention to who he was becoming. Look at what happens in the story. First of all, he and his mother hatched this secret plan. Right? And I think there's a lesson in there. And when you're evaluating who you are becoming, pay attention to what is done in secret. Pay attention to what you're keeping secret from everybody around you. It has a way of alerting you to where things are getting out of control. I'll give you a silly example. About a year or so ago, uh, I was trying to, to be on a diet, and I wasn't losing any weight at all. And I was kind of grousing to Cheryl about it, so I'm not losing any weight. And she said, I really don't understand it. You're, you're eating really pretty well. And in that moment, for whatever reason, I gained the courage to confess. I said, I'm stopping at McDonald's. I'm eating candy, soda. I'm just doing it in secret. Why am I not losing weight, right? God, why haven't you blessed me? God's like, I'm not the one eating the Snickers, dude, right? So I think we want to pay attention to what is done in secret. A conversation that's done in secret. An internet browse that you feel the need to scrub. A secret habit, secret spending. And I think one of the solutions is to try not to have secrets, to find someone you love and care about that you trust, that, that you can confess to and not have it be a secret anymore. It is so hard. But when you do that, they can pray for you. They can help you. They can hold you accountable. And you're exposing it to the light. You're exposing the secret to the light. And it keeps it from going too dark, far down the road like we see with, with Jacob and, and his mother. You know what Jesus one, said one time? And this is a paraphrase. He said, hey, if you want to have secrets... Have your prayer life be the secret that you keep. I right, say, so you, you wanna have a secret? Have uh, your generosity be done in secret. By and large, keep those things secret. Everything else needs to be exposed to the light and, and we wanna pay attention to what is done in secret. So they hatch a secret plan and then they go to these extraordinary links. You saw that in the story. These extraordinary links to lie to Jacob's father, Isaac. And again, this is worth paying attention to, guys, as you're evaluating who is it I'm becoming? What are the lies that I'm telling right now? Am I I telling myself a lie? My loved ones, my God? Because the lies that I'm telling might reveal to me the path that I'm on. So what are you talking about? Like, I have it under control. Might be a lie that you're telling. It's totally appropriate. Totally appropriate. Might be a lie you're telling. I deserve this. I deserve this. I deserve the right to, to be happy. That might be a lie. Pay attention to it. 
I think this is really challenging because sometimes we end up kind of buying what we're selling. We start to believe the lie. And so I would say a couple of things, be in God's word. So one of the kind of ways that I preach and one of the things that I was taught, it's called expository Bible study. And the idea of it is that you take a single passage. So usually we study one passage at a time and you study it so that you, you can expose the truth of God's word. And I love doing it. It's one of my favorite ways to spend my time. But you know what? More than me exposing the text, uh, exp- exposing the truth of God's word, you know what happens more often? God's word exposes the truth in me. And so we wanna be in God's word. God, God's word has a way of saying, hey, This is a lie that you're believing. This isn't true. This isn't good. You're heading down a bad path and just be in God's word because it has a way of exposing us. The second thing I would say is be in community, be in spiritual community, be involved in your church, groups, Bible studies, all of that. Be with people because sometimes another believer's life will expose a lie that you're believing. And you'll get really close to the person and say, man, if they're walking in the truth, then I must be walking in a lie because our lives do not match up. They're believing the truth and what I'm believing must not be the truth and their life has a way of exposing that. The other thing that happens in community is that sometimes you'll get a close enough friend that they will just look at you and they will say, that's a lie. What, the way you're living, what you're believing, it is a lie and it hurts like the dickens. It does, but it's necessary. So pay attention to the lies that you're telling and then they steal the blessing from Isaac because they feel entitled to it, right? If you remember what I, what I said earlier, God had said that he was gonna execute his promise through Jacob and so Jacob feels this entitlement to all of it but he does not go about it the right way and it is a question worth asking, where might I feel entitled? Because often that exposes that a path that we're on. Do I feel entitled to a certain position at work? Do I feel entitled uh, to a certain standard of living, a certain happiness, a certain relationship? That entitlement is dangerous, guys, because it can lead me to do things I never thought I would do or or things I never intended to do. And again, this is pretty easy to see in others. Uh, It's easy to see it in your kids. I was laughing last year, because as we've gotten older, uh, as he's gotten older, my oldest son has just become kind of interested in like um, money and bills and possessions and all of that stuff, just kind of getting to that age where he's kind of curious about how the world operates. And uh, we were driving around one day and he said, just in the back, he said, hey dad, I was just wondering how much money do we have? And absolutely led by the Holy Spirit, I came up with, I said, we, you and I, we have zero. We have zero dollars together. Mommy and I, we have some savings, we have some retirement, we have stuff like that. Sam Higgs and I, Zippo. And he said, well, how much do you and mommy have? And I said, well, last time I looked at the bank account, it was Nunyo. And I said, what are you talking about? I said, it's Nunyo business, all right? So, I, I, you know, this is mommy and I's stuff that we're handling here, right? And I think it's really easy to see it in your kids, your neighbors, your, your grandkids, the person at work, that, man, they are so entitled. And it's harder to see it in yourself. But I think we struggle, we all struggle with it one way or another. And part of the entitlement, like I said, it comes from 
this belief um, that, that Esau would end up serving Jacob in the long run, that God was going to work through Jacob. And I believe God's intention, when you study Romans and other passages, God's intention all along was to work through Jacob, his line, his family, his nation. Uh, but God didn't intend for Jacob to act this way. This was, after all, the same God that would later give the law. This is all pre-law, but later he would give the law. And one of the laws was, hey, do not lie, eh, Jacob. This was the same God who would give the law and say, man, do not steal. <laughs> oh, for two, right? This is the same God that would give the law that said, honor your father and your mother. God was going to accomplish something in Jacob's life, but he didn't intend for Jacob to do this. He was going to do it in his timing and his way. And you know what all the laws of God have in common, a lot of them anyway? They are, first of all, about building trust within a relationship. You want to build trust in a relationship? Truth-telling is the way to do it, not lying. Generosity is the way to do it, not stealing. Honoring and not dishonoring are the ways that we build good, healthy, strong relationships within our family. You know what they also have in common? They're also all about trusting God. A lie says that I don't believe the truth can be trusted, so I have to make something up in order to receive my blessing. Stealing says, I can't really trust God in his timing to bring about blessing. I need to take what's mine. Even honoring your father and your mother fits into this category because dishonor says, if, I'm going, if I engage in honoring, I'm going to become a doormat and I don't want to be a doormat. So I have to do whatever is necessary to bless myself. I think this is a story of Jacob. This is a story about a complete failure to trust his God, to trust his plan, his ways, his will, so Jacob, because he didn't trust God, says, I got to lie here. I got to cheat. I got to steal. I got to dishonor so that I can get mine. And listen, he's not a completely bad guy. He's not. But he's got to learn this, and we do too. He's got to learn to trust his God. And that's what this story is really all about. Pay attention to who you're becoming. Are you becoming a person who trusts your God and trusts him fully? Because a person who trusts God fully they're comfortable with the truth. They, they just are. They're comfortable living out a generous life. They're comfortable engaging in honor because they know their God is in control, that he has a plan, he has a will, he has a way. And so they're comfortable with all of those things because they're comfortable with him. But man, when we lose sight of God's plan and we stop trusting him and his timing and his actions, it forces us to go with our own timing and our own actions, and our own way, and because we are sinful, that almost never goes well, at least for me. So God had a call on Jacob's life. I believe also that God has a call on your life. He does. He absolutely has a call on your life. And some of you, you are living out that calling right now, that he has a line of work that he, you feel call, that he has called you to, a line of work that you feel he has called you to. You're raising children. You're serving your church. You are in the wheelhouse of his calling. And here's what I want you to see. He wants to bless you in that. He does. For those of you living out calling right now, and we all are in one way or another, he wants to bless you. And in his way and in his timing, he will. Will you trust him? That's the question of this text. Will you trust him? When we don't trust him, you know what it becomes in our sinfulness? What he wants to bless you becomes is God bless my plans. Right, God, I'm done waiting on you for your blessing, so I'm going to make some plans of my own, and I am religious and spiritual enough to pray, would you please bless me and my plans? But it rarely goes well. 
Today is uh, the sanctity of, of human life. And I often think about our, our nation uh, on, on this issue, that a lot of times around uh, major holidays, we will uh, pray, uh, God bless America. And I'm okay with that as a prayer, but we gotta turn away from this first. If we think God's gonna bless us when we are engaging, when we are engaging in this activity as a nation, we're fools. We're absolutely fools. So we've got to turn from our wicked ways, repent, and I believe blessing will come. But just saying, God, bless our plans, bless our nation regardless of what we do, as my grandfather would say, that dog won't hunt. It just won't. Right? We've got to turn from our wickedness, repent, come back to God, and allow him to bless us in his way. So he wants to bless you. Um, but we don't ever want to say, God, I'm just going to do what I want, so bless my plans. It just doesn't work that way. He wants to empower you. And in his way and in his timing, he will, he will, I promise you, trust him. And when we don't, what that turns into in our sinfulness is just living on my own strength and trying to execute my own plans, and it's exhausting. I think a lot of people over the last little bit, they are exhausted during this season of life because they're just, they're not relying on God for their power and they're trying to execute their own plans in their own way and, and they're exhausted. We need his power. He wants to give you joy and in his way and in his timing, he will trust him. And when we don't in our sinfulness, what God wants to give us joy becomes is I deserve to be happy. That God wants me to be happy and we will pursue happiness at the expense of so many things. So here's the two truths. We want, God has a plan for you. I believe that with all of my heart. He has a plan for you. And we want to pursue God's plan. Absolutely we do. That this is what God is going to do through us. As we pursue him, this is what we're going to accomplish. This is what we're going to do. We want to pursue God's plan. But here's the secondary truth. Not to add more pressure to it. We want to pursue God's plan in a God-honoring way, right? We want to be married someday. Obviously, you want to be married, but you want your marriage to give honor to God. We want to have children and a family someday, but we want our family to honor God. We want to find the right position at work. Absolutely, we do. We want our work to honor God. We want to retire. We absolutely want to retire, but we want our retirement to honor God. We want to live in the right neighborhood. We absolutely do, but we want to be the type of neighbors that honor God. This is the shame of Jacob's story. He is pursuing God's plan because God had told him what he was going to do. He's pursuing God's plan, but he is not pursuing it in a God-honoring way. He's lying, he's cheating, he's stealing, he's doing exactly what he and his mother want, and, and they're not honoring God with what they're doing. And it's because he, and he's gonna learn this as the story progresses. He's gonna have to have a hip taken out of socket, but he's gonna learn it, right? That he just doesn't fully trust his God yet. Still referring to him as the God of Abraham, right? He needs to learn that he's the God of Jacob. And that's going to take him a little bit to learn. I would say the same thing for you. That the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah, also the God of Steve. The God of you. The God of us. That he is present in our lives. So you can trust him. I want you to know you can trust him. I could tell you some personal experiences I've had. Of our adoptions. We've, we've adopted twice. Which is part of why today is meaningful to me. And... Um, 
that I see so many people kind of opposed to abortion, which is a good thing, but we also want to kind of support life in other ways as well. I think that's important for the Christian community to do. And I know lots of Christians that do that, but I could tell you the stories of our adoptions and how very few stories in my life have ever communicated to me God's plan than our adoptions. Um, And I I could tell you those stories and absolutely meaningful to me. Somehow still every once in a while I'll I'll not trust. I'm like, how after what I've been, how could I not trust? But it's, it's human nature. But I could tell you the stories of our adoptions, but today... I just want to end by telling you the gospel. Um, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That God loved us so much, I could tell you the story of how he gave me my two kids. I don't want to do that. I want to tell you the story of how God loved us so much that he gave his son to go to a cross and die for us and you absolutely can trust him. He loves you. You absolutely can trust him. And you can hold on to him and you can wait for him. You you don't have to pursue what you want and pursue uh, your dreams and your goals without God. You can absolutely uh, have him in your life and, and trust him and wait for him and believe in him and be empowered by him and allow joy to come from him. You can wait on his timing, but a lot of it is just trusting him. Jacob's gotta learn this. He's gotta become the God of Jacob and he eventually will. But right now he's just the God of Abraham a God Jacob heard about, and he's got to learn to trust him, and you and I do do as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to trust you. Um, It is hard uh, to not be ahead of you. Um, It is hard to not give up waiting sometimes. It is hard to not operate on our own power and our own strength sometimes. Right now, we want to affirm, I know it's kind of a high church, churchy kind of thing to think about, but right now, we just want to affirm during this moment that we trust you. That whatever weight we walked in here with, whether it's the weight of a sickness or the weight of a job situation or a family situation, whatever we walked in here with, and every single person walked in here with something, Right now, we want to affirm we trust you. We love you. We receive our joy, hope, and peace from you. And we're willing to sit in a little bit of silence in this moment to just remember how much we trust you. And so as we receive your communion this morning, we want to remember how you so love the world that you gave your son uh, and for our sins, making it just absolutely clear how much we can trust you. And so we want to remember that right now. We want to revel in that. And we just want to express our trust for you and not get ahead of you, not do things our way, not do things on our own power, but just trust you and your plan and that you're going to move. We thank you for Jesus, for his grace. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to receive communion together. They're going to pass it out. This is, like I said in the prayer, just an opportunity for us to express our trust. That man, you so love this world that you gave your one and only son. I trust you. I'll wait for you. I'll be empowered by you. I'll receive my joy, hope, and peace from you. And just spend some time with your God. And then I'll come back up here in uh, just a few minutes and we'll receive communion together as a church family. His body given for you. His blood poured out.
Jesus, we thank you for your grace and for any time that we've maybe been like Jacob and we've gotten ahead of you or we've tried to execute our own plan and our own will and we've hurt people, we are so grateful right now that your grace is available to us and your forgiveness is available to us. And we do, we seek and we ask for that forgiveness. And as we get ready to leave this place, our prayer is that we would trust you. Jacob had to learn this, so do we, so do I. Learn to trust you and your commands, that they can be trusted. Your will, it can be trusted. Your way can be trusted. And that we would never be ahead of you, but we would be right in step with you. Learning from you, obeying you, walking with you. And that because of that, we would live a life of blessing, not hurting the people around us, but blessing them and uh, blessing others. And so we pray that uh, for each of our lives as we leave this place, that we would leave here and be a blessing to the people we encounter because we love you and trust you so much. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, next uh, Sunday, we're going to continue on in this series. And uh, um, a real, I think it's a real encouraging passage um, that the kind of very next thing that happens with Jacob is he goes and he falls asleep and he has this vision of these angels um, ascending, and, uh, descending, ascending, uh, kind of back and forth. And it's a, um, a demonstration to Jacob that you're not alone, that I am with you. And I want you to remember that as well as we leave this place, that we are not alone. God is with us and we can trust him. So we stand. Uh, let's sing one last song and you guys have a great week. <laughs>